Fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing? Good. Despite all my rage, I am still just a Nicholas Cage. Oh, it's about damn time we hit this guy. I know. I mean, way back at the very beginning of the show, we talked about doing Nicholas Cage November, which we quickly scrapped. Well, we did one themed month, and we realized we don't like themed months. No, because it's not real. I mean, it's kind of fun, but it's also being like, fuck, I can't just watch, like, whatever I want, or it's not going to be a completely different kind of movie. It's got to be, like, this kind of movie. It's like, okay, this isn't quite as much fun to watch four of these in a row. <laughs> yeah, like, I like how we switch it up, like, week to week. So I, I don't enjoy doing the theme, so I'm glad we scrapped that. Yeah. Uh, this week we're doing Mandy from 2018, uh, directed and written by Panos Cosmatos. Cosmatis. Cosmatis. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to... Oh, that is an O. I can't read my own handwriting. No, you were you were right. Elijah Wood was a producer. Oh, no shit. Yeah, that's a little uh, letterbox fact. <laughs> oh, fun. And they had a fuck ton of producers, though, but Panos was not one of them, so there's no Edgewood trifecta. <laughs> That's okay. You know, we got written and directed. That's still a big deal. Right. This is the first time you've seen this, isn't it? This is the first time I've made it past 20 minutes. Okay. Which is, I completely understand, like, after you got past minute, like, 45, and Nicolas Cage, like, cage-raged through the entire rest of the movie, what did you think? This is a really complicated movie if someone asked me what do I think about it, because if you would ask me almost the whole first hour, Greg how you liking Mandy, I'd be like, I hate Brett. <laughs> really? The, the first hour, that's what I'd say. I, go, I hate Brett from Dimension Z. But then, after that hour, I'm like, I'm gonna give Brett a big smooch on the lips. This movie's fucking awesome. Exactly. So, it, it's such a weird change for me. But that doesn't change how I feel about the beginning. It's not one of those, like, once I get past that hour mark, like, oh, the beginning's worth it. Because I'm like, this should have been a short film. And I would oh. love it. I don't dislike it, but I was like, fuck, I could have chopped off a fucking hour of this movie. I love the beginning, especially, like, the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, like, this first hour is so fucking, like, it drags. Like, what the fuck's even going on? Like, I don't really even care. This is, like, my 30th time watching this movie. I'm like, oh, my God, like, Mandy and Red are so in love, and I love that they love each other, and I love their love. And I do like that. I like them as a couple, like, and that's well established in the first five minutes. So I'll give it that. Well, I also love like, well, like we've brought up uh, before on the group chat with like different things. The uh, why not talk about this universe group chat? Um, I love character building. And yeah. I think the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie is does amazing to build the characters, uh, the, all of them. From the bikers, like, it builds up their lore. You see how, like, Red and Mandy, how great they are together. You get, like, cult shit and, like, the inner workings of how the cult works. Like, it makes you care about, like, okay, I fucking hate these people and I love these people. I can't wait till, like, they clash, you know? Fair. I'll give you that. It's 
Yeah, it does set everything up real well. Man, it just... You know sometimes we talk about uh, the cameraman hanging on scenes too long? Yeah. Man, I feel like we had no right to complain about any movie before this one with that. Oh, the... That whole first hour, dude, I'm like, oh, now don't don't take me wrong. I'm not bitching because that second hour well makes up for any complaints I had. But holy shit. Oh, I could sit there and watch Mandy and Red talk about space and planets for two hours straight. Just like, yeah, you two just you two just be you. Red's favorite planet's Galactus. (laughs) Because he eats planets. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. I've seen that scene like 10 times. Well, because that's probably about where you give up, isn't it? No, because I'm like, okay, there's a Marvel reference. You have my attention for a little bit. So that, that was always like my little extra oomph. And then I'm like, nah, not now. I'll finish oh, it yeah. later. Well, then uh, once you get past all that, you get to Cheddar Goblin, which is fun. We're jumping way ahead. Where are yeah, we? Yeah, we don't get Cheddar Goblin for a long time. Yeah, let's let's kick it from the beginning. I'm going to yeah. kind of let you take the lead with this beginning, because like I said, the beginning's a little rough for me. All right, let me think. Where does it be? Like, where's the very first scene? Because I just got done watching this... Um, right before we record like usual and greg usually so there's the whole lumberjack opening yes. with some saxophone okay. music playing for Thank the opening you. credits and everything i always kind of forget what the very beginning scene is so thank you for helping um no problem yeah i love that it also like kind of sets up i think red as like okay he's a lumberjack he's fucking tough as shit you got his 44 shirt on which comes into play later again and then even like uh, it sets up that like he lives in middle of nowhere and because these helicopters have to come and get these lumberjacks. And it I also think it shows where like Red has like had issues in the past, but has now become sober and is like happy with Mandy because you see the guy like offer Red a beer. And you would think after an extremely long day of cutting down trees in middle of nowhere, you would want a beer. And he's like, no, I'm good. Like, it almost feels like that part of his life is behind him, but later on what happens, like, brings it back, and even more than it ever was. In a great scene, but we'll get there. And that's just the very opening scene, there's no dialogue yet. (laughs) Yeah, so it's also, we get a time card, it says the Shadow Mountains, 1983 AD. I honestly, until right now, looking at that in my notes, I forgot this was, like, set in the past a little bit. Yeah, I love also it's like ni- it's set in like 1983, but it's not like Stranger Things 80s where it's like, oh, wow, look how retro everything is. Oh, we have a Pac-Man machine like it's set in the 80s, but they're still watching shitty like movies on cable and like they're super into books like like these uh sword and dragon kind of books and whatnot, it seems. And yeah, well, also they're in the middle of nowhere, so you won't get a lot of the pop culture references and oh, everything. They live near Crystal Lake. Yeah, they do. Uh, what, one of I the, don't think on, it's the same one. No, not the same one, but one of the many uh, horror movie references that are in this movie. <laughs> Did you get a lot? I didn't catch too many. Oh, yeah. Well, you got uh, Crystal Lake. You got um, the uh, fucking uh, Cenobites or the Bikers. Was that supposed to be a reference, or just they looked similar? Oh, no, that's definitely a reference. Okay. Yeah. There's some more later. I forget them right now, but they might trigger in my memory as we go. Okay. But yeah, so he comes home to Mandy after his long day. She's an artist. She's sketching something. Um, We get the whole pillow talk about the galaxy and planets and stuff, which I guess comes into play later, kind of. I mean... 
kind of, I guess, but it's more setting up, I think, that just like, like I said before, they love love, and they're so in love, and I love their love, and Mandy's wearing an awesome Motley Crue shirt with a pentagram on it. Yeah, Mandy's a metalhead, which she has uh, an 80s metalhead, like she has the Motley Crue shirt later, she has the Black Sabbath shirt. Yeah, that, I love that Sabbath shirt. She also has a scar over her eye that's never explained, but especially like through a couple stories she tells later through the movie, she's been through some kind of trauma, but we don't know what that scar is whatsoever, but it's very distinctive. It's cool. And I don't think that's just the actress. I don't think she has that scar. No, no, th that's an added thing where even the uh, character's eye is like a little bit discolored on that side. I was going to ask you about the eye. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we get the whole pillow talk. Then we just get all of this weird, like there's a, Face, facial close-up of her at a campfire when she's swimming. There's her finding a dead baby deer. I think this is just a setup that she's a compassionate person when she finds the dead deer and she's sad. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, her and Nicolas Cage go on, like, a fun, like, canoeing trip at Crystal Lake. And they're at a campfire. And, it's, it, and this entire time, it's this awesome music that just underlays it. Like we said so many times, the music adds so much to a movie. I absolutely love this music. I do too. And the guy who did the score for this uh, passed away, actually, which is a bummer for multiple reasons, but the, we, we won't hear this guy score more movies because I think he did a fantastic job. Oh, it's badass. Well, and we have, and to bring up music, isn't the very, like when the, uh, it's like that red lettering before like anything even happens where it's like, um, put some speakers at the feet of my, uh, at my feet when I'm dead and wrap some headphones around me and whatnot. Isn't that a King, uh, King Diamond uh, thing? Uh, it's King Crimson, isn't it? It's King Crimson. Okay, it, I knew it was King something and it was metal, but I love it. It might have been King Diamond, I don't remember. I don't exactly remember, but that's such a cool and it's just that, like, guitar picking where it's like, and it's just like, oh, I'm so in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really like the metal, the odd bit of metal theme throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, so the baby deer, she said, and they're talking about bad dreams, and that's where you kind of get some of her trauma that you're talking about and everything. Yeah, where her dad wanted her to kill, like, baby starlings, and this is a part of the movie, after watching it, like I said, like, I watch this movie probably about at least once a month, because it's one of my comfort movies. I just love it so much, and when she's telling the story about her father wanting them to kill the baby starlings and they're like, it was her and like some other friends or her siblings or like other little kids. And they're like, and then it got to my turn and red's like, what did you do? And she kind of looks away for a second and she's just like, I just ran away. I'm guessing she killed the starlings. Yeah, I got that too. I kind of was thinking that she was ashamed. Yeah. Where she was opening up, but then she got to the point, and then she was just like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, I, to jump off the plot for a second, I gotta ask, you say you watch this movie about once a month, it's one of your like favorite comfort movies and stuff? Yeah. yeah. What time of day do you typically watch this movie? Oh, this is a nighttime, I'm gonna get fucking drunk movie. Because the first 45 minutes to an hour is kind of slow and whatnot, so you're kind of just steady having some beers and shots and whatnot. And then by the time it gets to the fucking, like, rage cage moment, you're, like, so amped up and ready, and you're like, oh, fuck, I got a fucking buzz going on. Let's fucking go! <laughs> <laughs> I, 
The only reason I asked, because I split this movie into pieces, not because it, it wasn't Veronica where I had to stop and psych myself up, come on, we gotta go. It was just my schedule. Like, I could watch sometimes little chunks at a time over a three-day course. Right. And the time when I was watching it during the day, I couldn't see shit. Oh, because of the, of the lighting, lighting in this movie? This The lighting is something wild. I don't know if I love it or I hate it, but it's something yeah, you definitely need a dark room. Like, turn all the lights off in your room and just have the TV be your only light because the lighting is very subtle in this movie. And it's... Oh, it's not subtle at all. No, it's not subtle. It's in your face, the lighting. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, well, there's certain, like, shadow moments where, like, you see people, like, appear. It's almost like in Halloween when Michael Myers appears bef- uh, behind Jamie Lee Curtis. When I was watching it on VHS, I didn't notice it anywhere near as quickly as I'd noticed it on my new Blu-ray, you know. Fair point. Um, but yeah, it's just, everything in this movie is kind of like, this. you have to use your imagination. If you're one of those people that you watch a movie and you go, well, that was unrealistic. One, you're boring. Two, you definitely will not like this movie. Yeah, you have to have, a, you have to like a certain kind of movie where, like, I love train spotting. And not exactly that this reminds me of train spotting, but it does a little bit with that dreamlike quality to it. I'm gonna have to watch that fucking movie because you bring it up all the time. I just agree with You've you because I have no spotting? idea. No, this is the reaction you have every time I say that. And you like punk rock, and you never seen train spotting. This is what you told me last time too. I'm still so mad at you. I cashed in my punk cred a long time ago. That ship has sailed, dude. Uh, <laughs> my band up. broke up. I was done. Forever. Come on, man. You got <laughs> sex and violence. Sex and like, violence. <laughs> the end of SLC Punk. Turns out I'm just one big fucking poser. That's my yeah. life. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so but what I was saying, like, with if you're one of those people like, oh, it wasn't realistic, you're going to have a bad time with this movie. Because I know I'm going to jump ahead with some things here. One, you just have to accept the lighting is super weird and not the real lighting for most of it. It's literally just there for audience mood and stuff like that. For most of the time. Sometimes it's used for effect. Like when Mandy gets stung by that big beetle and it's kind of tripping and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That's like used for effect with that. So yeah, like it's used realistically, like when she gets stung by that big bee and I'm jumping all over, but like it's supposed to be kind of how she's seen in a few other times, like with some fire and stuff, but most of the time it's just for mood, so like you can't, this isn't what they're seeing, you have to realize, and then like the whole evil bikers that took bad acid and basically turned into demons, you just gotta accept that's what the movie is, you're rolling with it or you're not. Yeah, that's where you are in the. Well, I forget who I I forget who said it, but I saw like someone wrote about this movie or talked about it, and they said so many of these scenes look like it would be uh, airbrushed onto the side of a van in the seventies. Oh yeah, exactly, and they got that vibe, so they did well. Yes, which I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back to our beat for beating it, uh, Mandy's walking down this dirt road just covered by trees because she lives in the middle of nowhere, and this van drives past her, and the I, I literally wrote, people in the van look like a cult. I was yeah. very correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're a very bad cult, led by Jeremiah Sand, um, Linus Roach, who I think did an amazing job. Oh, yeah, he's great. Oh, he was in Batman Begins. Yep. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. Nice. He holds eye contact with her, and, like, it keeps, like, freeze-framing backing up. He's, like, so much staring at her. 
Well, also, I, I think of this entire movie as on acid because so many people on the, it, the everyone at the end of this movie is doing acid. So oh, it's yeah. almost like that's what he's seeing because they talk about this chemist and whatnot and like how amazing he is. And they had they have mason jars of this stuff just laying around. So, oh, yeah, I just see them as constantly tripping balls. <laughs> oh, and they probably are. Then we get this big uh, Children of the New Dawn title card. Which is really, I love the title cards, because we haven't even gotten the Mandy title card yet. Yeah, so the way I'm seeing this is, remember the Friday the 13th, 2009? Yes. Remember how you got like a half hour of movie before the title card came out? I remember that because we, we, uh, me and my buddy saw it in theaters, and that happened, and then the title card happened, and someone shouted, "That was just the fucking beginning!" And like the <laughs> movie theater went nuts. <laughs> the way, like, with these title cards, until we get to the one that says Mandy, since that is the title of the movie, I'm like, this is all the intro. This yes. is an hour long intro. Yes. Yeah, this is setting up everything. This is making you care about the last hour. <laughs> My God. <laughs> um. So, like you said, the cult leader's name's Jeremiah. He's. It cuts to him laying in a bed, talking to a woman, saying everything is wrong and all this kind of stuff. Like he says, if you're not with me, you will not ascend. And he basically sends her away. This guy comes in. And he's like, I need you to get that girl I saw. I need her. Yeah, and it was, a uh, yeah, Brother Swan, played by Ned Dennehy, is that dude. And I think he's so great because he's just, like, so, like, subservient or whatever. He's, like, such a servant to Jeremiah Sand, the cult leader, where he's just like, Jeremiah, it's done. I got you, brother. It's, like, so, like, I love you. And they're so, like, laughing to each other and whatnot. And then I live even there, like, well, that's when you get what what's it called the um the horn of abraxas oh the weird magic conch yeah the magic conch that calls the cenobite bikers and he's like yes i got it right here and like you talked about before it's another great scene where like they show the horn of abraxas and it's just like green strobe light going on for no reason it's just I think it's just introducing this thing. It's like, oh, this is major, you know? Yeah. I don't think that we're meant to believe there's actually the green strobe light surrounding it. No. And I also love when they're like, let's offer up the uh, fat one for a uh, sacrifice. And they're both like, ha, 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 yeah, let's offer up tubby. It's like, yeah, they do that. It's weird. And then so these, <laughs> what did I call them? Like weird biker demons when i was talking to you yeah oh by the way this is the very first movie listeners that i've ever consulted brett on the kill count yes because uh yeah we're i mean we'll get to it a little bit later but i was surprised when you're like we're not counting these ones right and i'm like of course you are fuck was it bill duke later on in the movie explains their origin <laughs> yeah i'm like okay you're right i'll add them but yeah so they show up and basically from what I take it as, you've seen this more, so correct me if I'm wrong, Brett. Right. The cult people trade the crazy acid to the demon people if they do their bidding. Yes. The the demon people are the cult's muscle as long as they offer them people to kill and really amazing mason jars of acid that they immediately guzzle down more than half of. 
I don't think they even care that people to kill. I think the people to kill is a byproduct of what the cult wants. I think they just want acid and they will kill for it if necessary. Well, no, because whenever they meet with the cult, when the cult meets with the Cenobite demons, the Cenobite demons bring up blood for blood. Meaning, if you want us to kill somebody, you give us somebody. And that's when, uh, what's his, Jeremiah, uh, fuck, no, brother, uh, Brother Swan is like, okay, but first... You do what we want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, he blows into an ocarina. From yes. Minnesota. It's the ocarina uh, of time. Exactly. I love that these, like, at the time, what we think are supernatural, what we already discussed, if people took really weird acid, things show up on, like, ATVs and motorcycles. I'm like, okay, this is fucking bonkers. Well, of course, they have to be, like, a hardcore biker gang that, like, the Hell's Angels are, like, it's like Hell's Angels level, like with the stories you hear and whatnot, you know. Oh, it also is that old eighties cheesy metal imagery is really prevalent throughout all of this movie. Well, like the one biker has like a white face that just drips. The one is covered in spikes. Like they all have their own look. Yeah, but just seeing like a bunch of demon things ride through the woods on a motorcycle looks like it'll be like a Wasp album cover, you know? That's fucking badass. Wasp, if you've had enough beers, is amazing. Oh, I was that wasn't a complaint, my friend. (laughs) That was not a knock on the movie when I said that. So we got all this going on, and I believe what happens next is Mother Marlene, who was in the room, the older lady who was in the room with Jeremiah Sand when he was laying on the bed before, like, they sent the bikers out. She goes to the store that Mandy works at and is making small talk, being like, oh, what book you reading? Oh, you guys must live around here. And Mandy, unfortunately, says like, oh, yeah, we live down by Crystal Lake. And immediately uh, she's like, oh, that must be lovely. And then like they talk for a minute more. And then she's like, I'll see you later. And Mandy like shudders because it's just like she's so fucking creepy because she won't leave. She just keeps staring at her. Yeah, you never give where you leave to creepy person at your place of business. Pro tip for anybody. Yeah, never be like, oh, I live by blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You live way out of town. You don't even know where you live. You live in your car. <laughs> no, where am I now? I don't, I'm not, I don't work here. And you clock out and leave. Yeah, like, oh, no, that's right. I was stealing from this place. Ha, ha, ha. And you run out with the cash register. Yes, exactly. But um, after the whole acid handoff and everything to the demons that we were talking about, um, they attack Red and Mandy, and they take the cult's fat kid. Oh, no, no, no. You're jumping way... You're skipping so much, Greg. I didn't skip anything. Yes, you did. Red and Mandy were sitting there watching some weird, cheesy 80s cult movie while eating dinner. So captivated, which I know I've looked like this before, where I'm eating dinner, but I'm not taking my face off the screen, where I'm just like shoving food in my mouth, like being like, I hope I don't even know what I'm getting. I'm just eating because I don't want to miss this movie. (laughs) Is that what I missed? That's the so much that I missed. Yes, yes, because it's amazing. It's a great scene. Also, but this there's one part of this movie I hate. Oh, what's that? And it's this it's right after this scene when they're watching the movie and Red Nicolas Cage goes out on the porch to smoke a cigarette. Okay. And I used to be a smoker. Did you smoke cigarettes ever? Yeah, I used to. Would you ever light a cigarette, take one or two hits off of it, and flick it away? I 
don't believe so, no. No, you would never waste that much of a cigarette. I don't care if I have an entire carton. I am not wait- taking two hits off a cigarette and flicking it away. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in movies. Where someone, I know you're not going to sit there and have them smoke an entire cigarette. But you can cut back to them and have it be like way down. And I wouldn't care as much. Why are you wasting this entire cigarette, Red? Yeah, we do see that a lot, don't we? Not just yeah. this movie, like a lot. And I understand exactly. It's going to take a couple minutes to, at least to smoke an entire cigarette. You're not going to want to hold on them for that long. Well, this movie would, let me tell you. And <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't. Like, why wouldn't they hold on the cigarette? Let Red look at the woods smoking a cigarette for two or three minutes. I'm happy. <laughs> uh, look at last week's episode. Those people were sharing to make sure that didn't happen while working out. They could have taken a lesson from the Toxic Avenger. Oh yeah, if they were hanging out Red uh, outside of Red's house, they're like, fuck, this guy takes two hits off of cigarettes and flicks them off this porch. Let's just hang out down here. We got free cigarettes. <laughs> But yeah, so back where we were, the demon people show up. What are they called? The Black Skulls? Yeah, the Black Skulls. Okay. And they show up and attack Red and Mandy, and they take the cult's fat kid. I am I counted that as a kill. Yes. Did you not? Oh, okay. 100%, because it's blood for blood, so you know they're going to kill this kid. Yeah, so I also I want to set that. up Red and Mandy's bedroom terrifies me, because it's nothing but windows. Uh, that'd be cool once in a while, as long as you could make it not Windows. Like, if you could shutter it, awesome. If it's only that, yeah, that would suck. It's open windows. So you what time, what's sunrise? 6.30 in the morning? Well, it depends what side of the house the sun's rising. It might be on the other side of the house. But still, like, you're waking, like, at the very latest 7 in the morning, the sun's hitting you right in the face. I'm going to be like, fuck you, man. You do always, you, you never wake up then, because I remember... Back when I worked like night shift jobs, me making you wake up at 10 to record, I felt terrible because you would be so groggy and tired like you just woke up to record. Oh, God. I it, Literally, I would. I would set my alarm for like 9.45 to record at 10. And you'd be like, you good, man? And I'm like, yeah. I'm, and I, honestly, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm fucking hungover as shit. I don't exactly remember where I am or who I am, but let's fucking talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the you know what's weird? Like fancy resorts and hotels always have that, like the giant like window wall room. Yeah, I do not want that. If you've seen pictures of uh like my Twitter, like my personal Twitter, not um the show's Twitter, I purposely have been putting up flags in front of my window to block out the sunlight because it's been so bright lately. Oh, it's been so hot. We never have our windows open this past week or two. Oh, fuck, this is the first time, like, recording the show, it's the first time my AC has been off in the last week. <laughs> well, today at least my way was storming all day, so it wasn't as bad. Yeah, it's only, it's 66 right now at show, and so it's not 90 like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Mandy wakes up tied to a chair at a table with the two other cult ladies, the one younger girl and the older lady we've seen a few times. Really, really quick. I know I'm cutting this movie to pieces, but I love it so much. The, so the Cenobites take Mandy and Red like hostage, and they're laying like face down facing each other. And Mandy's staring at Red, almost trying to, it almost looks like she's trying to be like, it's okay, we got this kind of thing. Like, she's almost talking with her eyes, and then cuts to Red, and he's just terrified. 
and Mandy seems almost okay until they punch Red out, and then she's like, oh shit, like, now it's just me. And then it cuts yeah. to she's tied to the chair. Mandy always kind of has that weird expression for most of the movie, though. Yeah, but Craig, they're in love, and they were. that's the last time they ever saw each other alive. It's is it? Sad. Yeah, I guess it is. Okay, fair point. But she wakes up tied to the table with the two cult ladies, um, and then they do two things to her specifically here. Because they're like, your hubby's fine as long as you cooperate. Like, um, he's taking a great interest in you. And they give her eye drops and then take this giant no. fucking bee creature and sting her in the neck. Do you know what they get? They gave her LSD. Oh, uh, that makes way more sense now. Yeah, because okay. you can take acid through your eye. It's not recommended okay that it, makes way more sense but it, i think is is as far as i know i've never done anything quite like that before but if you take it through your eye it has it like hits quicker i think okay so it's like snorting a pill compared to taking it or right okay but, I, gotcha. it, I think of like the giant wasp thing as like some like weird like amazon bug that like makes you trip extra hard because the uh, lady uh fuck what's her name uh, it's right there. Mother Marlene says that's that's what I like to call the cherry on top, which I think is just like, oh, you're already tripping balls immediately. I'm going to triple that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she gets taken to Jeremiah. Oh, and God. I love this scene. Like, if you want to see the breakdown of a cult leader and a man. This by a woman, if you want to see a woman break down a man's ego that's way too big, this scene is so fucking great because she does this huge buildup of like, I'm this fucking amazing creature. I was going to be a rock star, but I had other things destined for me. And God told me I was allowed to take anything I want. So that's what I'm going to do. Also, here's my album. If you want to buy my T-shirt, um... dude. So I get that they're kind of going the Charles Manson route with that a little. Oh bit. yeah, and I gotta say that when he says like the sparkly ones couldn't see it, is he talking about like glam rockers? Like, what's that mean? Well, I think yeah, the glam rockers, the like the rock stars, and like he was trying to be a rock star. And he couldn't make it, so I think that's what he's referring to is like the other people in the industry. That makes sense. Okay. But so, yeah, he has this giant speech, which I will not recount most of the speech. But yeah, oh, no, we'll, I have we'll it, touch uh, on a few things. I have oh, do you have the whole thing word written down? Word. I have a memorized word for word, so I will say all of it right now, Greg. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting. Uh, Jeremiah San was a righteous man. <laughs> By the way, if you go to Legion M's website, this is free ad i'm not getting paid for this one unfortunately um but if you're a legion m site you can buy his record no fuck yeah like That's and it's like awesome. the same album cover as the movie and everything I yeah you can buy Jer- his record on there i want the jeremiah sand record yeah it's there if you want it inside <laughs> my cult affairs poster <laughs> see there you go <laughs> But so he's going on and on and on. And also, anytime it cuts to her point of view, like you said, it's just tripping balls. Oh, hurry. She's all over the place. She's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? We're missing out on the sci-fi movie we're watching. Where's my husband? (laughs) Yes. But he plays his own record and starts, I use this term lightly, but dancing. Yeah, like gyrating. 
to it while like and you can tell everyone like the entire cult is now in mandy and red's house and they're laid out on the couch and they all seem like they're super fucked up that's the thing that always creeps me out like especially like home invasion style horror movies when like the perpetrators like make the person's house like their own home I don't know why that always seems so evil to me in these style of movies. Like, when they're just, like, we'll make yourself at home tape deal. Like, always creeps me out. Well, they completely move in for a bit. And they're taking over your space. Which you think, like, I know me, when I get home, I'm like, this is my safe space. I don't have to talk to anyone I don't want to. I don't have to do anything I don't really want to. Other than, like, little things here and there that is just life shit. But it's them coming into that space being like, no, we don't give a fuck what you, do you want me to take my shoes off before? Fuck you. I'm not taking my shoes off. You know, like, yeah. So he's doing his weird Tai Chi gyrating dance. And then he goes up to Mandy and I don't know quite the order of events. I don't know if he reveals himself first and she starts laughing or she starts laughing first. I think she starts laughing first. No, he revealed, well, he, he's doing the speech, which I can't, I love the speech he gives, but it's just very dreamy and cult-like of like, we're together and we're all one and shit like that. And I love how it keeps fading between like, uh, Jeremiah Sands' face and Mandy's face. They keep like, melting into each other almost. Yeah. And then he gets up and yeah, he disrobes and he's like showing him, he's like, he, his dick and balls are out completely and Which we he, as audience do not see no the, uh, we see it oh i might have looked away for oh wait no we did we did Yeah, we see his dick which is very rare that you see a guy's dick in a movie i'm thinking uh victor crowley yes but yeah he's like uh basically revealing himself and he's like stroking his body and mandy at this point i love she just i love this part mandy is it's the biggest fuck you to this guy Oh, it's great. This is fucking incredible, and I'm with you 100%. This whole part from here forward is just madness, like this scene. She's like, this is your album? And he's like, yes. And she's like, and this is your song? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, the song is about you. And he's like, yeah. And then she just quietly starts laughing a little bit, and it, like, triggers him. And then she just goes into full on like, <laughs> like scream laughing at him. Yeah, not so much laughing at him, but laughing directed at him. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm laughing at laugh. you. Yeah. because he if, because she starts laughing some, and he starts like jerking off in front of her, and that just makes her laugh more, which I completely love. It's so fucking funny. He starts furiously masturbating to save his own ego, and it's hilarious, and makes no sense, and it's incredible. And he he breaks completely. He's like, stop it! Stop! Stop laughing at me! And then he's, like, yelling at the entire cult for them, like, don't you fucking look at me right now! And she just <laughs> will not stop laughing the entire time. <laughs> which, we cut from that to, we, we finally see Red, which at this moment I kind of forgot about him for a minute. Yeah. Um... Because, how are you thinking of that when this wild shit's going on? But yeah, he's tired. jerking off. I'm not thinking about Nicolas Cage right now. But very embarrassingly jerking off. It's weird. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, it cuts to Nicolas Cage tied up outside, like hands above his head. And is he gagged with barbed wire? Yes. Holy shit. Yeah, it's fucking hardcore. <laughs> yeah, so they come out there, like the cult leader's obviously frustrated. And he has the young girl kneel in front of Red, because like, you think you two are so in love. This is what true love is. He makes the younger girl like kneel in front of him and makes her Russian roulette herself. Like He puts one bullet into the revolver, spins it, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, and I love Red is still like kind of like, no, like he's trying to be like, don't do it. And she does it. And I think a part of her, because she's almost like the sympathetic one through this entire thing, like that younger girl, because yeah. like she gets sent into Jeremiah like earlier in the movie to like definitely go fuck him. And she's the one that was like comforting Mandy being like, just pretend all this is a dream. Like, it's OK. It's all a dream. And now she's doing this, and she has the look in her eye of just like, just let me fucking die. Yeah, I and spoiler, she's the only one who he spares at the end, so I think he knows that too. Yeah, which I agree with that. Yeah, so, but she survives, but then they like, Jesus stab him in the ribs. Yeah, which, with like a Kondarian dagger looking thing from Evil Dead. Yeah, it's some like ancient sacred dagger thing, something like that. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, because um at that point, uh Jeremiah Sand is like, you know what Jesus's biggest uh uh fuck, what his biggest uh thing that he did wrong was? He didn't offer up a sacrifice instead, and he fucking stabs him. So he's like, "I'm Jesus, and I'm killing you." <laughs> Dude, like religious cults and movies are always weird cuz they're super like Jesusy. But then they're always, like, turning their back on it. I don't get... I'm a non-religious person. And I know this isn't what most religious people are like. But it's it's always this weird, like, Christian but anti-Christian dynamic that I never quite wrap my head around. Yeah, well, that's it's that cult thing of, like, a, a lot of things like cults like to do is they take parts of Christianity, Christianity that work and may and wrap in their own shit with it so they can do drugs and have sex with all the girls and all the guys have to cut their dicks off fair point can't argue no one else can fuck the girls (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so they stab them in the ribs and shut shit and then they bring mandy out in front of red like she's is she in a sleeping bag is that what that is yeah i think it's Uh, a sleeping bag that's what it looks like okay so they bring her out and they like somehow string the sleeping bag up and they light a fire under it. And what's the brother's name, Brett? Oh, Brother Swan. He has this, like, haunting line. Because they keep calling her a whore, even though she's not fucking the cult leader. But yeah. They're like, the darker the whore, the brighter the flame. And they light her on fire and fucking right in front of Red. And it's brutal and one of the holy shit moments of this movie. Yeah, and there's, like, this other cult leader, not the other cult leader, this other cult member is, like, holding her up. It's off a swing set is what they're, like, have her hoisted up on. And he's, like, licking his teeth. Yeah, it's weird. Like, they're all enjoying it and smiling, again, except for that younger girl. Yeah, she almost seems, yeah, she does not belong there. Like, which one of these things doesn't belong here? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, was she, like, coerced into this kind of how Mandy was? Or is it almost like, uh, have you ever, I mean, you've seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, right? Yes, I have. Or, do- like, the second half of the movie when Dr. Gonzo, like, meets that, like, 15-year-old and gives her acid and she's just, like, following her around. Isn't that Christina Ricci? 
think it is. Yeah, that's Wednesday Adams, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's like, but I almost seem as that kind of thing of like maybe at first she's like, oh, these are kind of some cool people I'll get high with. And then she just gets roped into it. Now she's in too deep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, so Mandy dies here right in front of Red Blood again, which is just brutal and evil. And the cult leaves and after some struggling for a bit. And when I say struggling, not only is he gagged with barbed wire, his hands were tied with barbed wire. And right. he just pulls his wrist through, which is slow and excruciating and kind of brutal and frees himself finally. Yeah, because, like, right before that happened, like, all the cult, like, is kind of packing up from their house and leaving, and Jeremiah Sand, the cult leader, kind of, like, walks towards him with, like, his sunglasses on and leather jacket and, like, jeans, and he's just like, huh, I'm done with you now, and, like, walks away, and they go driving away, and the entire time, like, if looks could kill, Nicolas Cage would kill the world at this moment with the look he's shooting. (laughs) Oh, for sure. But after he gets free and everything, he goes inside. And Brett, I get one of my favorite but most random parts of this movie. Cheddar Goblin? Cheddar Goblin. Nothing's better without cheddar. (laughs) Again, I I don't mean this episode to be a free commercial for Legion M. But not only can you buy the record, Brett, you can buy Cheddar Goblin mac and cheese. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. I know somebody, like, later on when Red makes that, like, giant battle axe, someone was selling those a few years ago in a limited number, and they were, like, $350 each, and I was like, I want one of those so fucking bad to hang on my wall. It's the same site, because I saw that, but it said sold out. It's the yeah. company that put this out, their website. Okay. Yeah, that's so Which cool. they also love... did uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh, no way. Yeah. Nice. Snooch. It's nooch to the motherfucking nooch. Yeah, this commercial has nothing to do with anything, so I feel like we don't need to touch on it, but we definitely do. There's this weird goblin Yoda on crack looking creature that's puking mac and cheese on children. Yeah, and the children love it. They could not be any more happy to have this, like, cheddar goblin mac and cheese. And I love during the commercial, they're like, cheddar goblin mac and cheese has 50% more cheese than the other people. And it's like cheddar goblin, like rising out of a bowl of mac and cheese and shit. And as soon as the uh, commercial ends, it goes to like, this is a, a test of the emergency broadcasting system. And Nicholas just cage just goes cheddar goblin and wanders away. I gotta say, I know this is based in the 80s, but this commercial really reminds me of the commercials that were real big, like, towards kids when me and you were growing up. Like, when you had the crazy cracked-out honeycomb guy, oh, and the yeah. gushers that would turn kids' heads into, like, inflatable fruit, and all that weird stuff they marketed towards kids' food. Oh, That's what 100%. this commercial reminded me of. So, that feels more out of the 90s. I completely agree. Where it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are they selling? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like you said, Red goes Cheddar Goblin and kind yeah. of f- goes to sleep, but kind of just falls over and goes to sleep on the couch, I think. Yeah, he kind of passes out and immediately, like, well, he wakes up like sometime later. We're not exactly sure how long. And next might be one of my, f- it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Maybe my favorite scene of Red going into the bathroom and immediately chugging like an entire bottle of vodka in his underwear while screaming. Oh, chugging it? 
and then pouring it on himself, chugging it again, pouring it on himself, just over and over, screaming the entire time, but different levels of screaming. Sad yeah. screaming, angry screaming, shocked screaming, switching yeah, between all those. Because he's like, he takes a couple slugs, and then, like, if you remember, he was bound by barbed wire. So he's, like, yeah. disinfecting his wounds with the vodka, and then he chugs more of it, and then, yeah, he starts screaming, and then he's crying, and then it goes into this just like, kind of shit. It's incredible, isn't it? But then, Brett, what a fucking random small cameo part, but Bill Duke is in this movie. I was going to ask you if you knew, like, did you recognize the guy? Uh, dude, do you know how much I fucking love Predator? I know Bill Duke. At Predator, and he was also in um, Sister Act 2. <laughs> Okay, but Predator... Oh, he's the director of Six Direct 2. Oh, okay. Holy shit. <laughs> Dude, you know, it's, I never saw Sister Act until like a year ago when Disney Plus came out. Yeah. And Anna was making me watch a bunch of movies I missed as a kid, and I watched that. I don't think I've ever... Like, I haven't seen it since I was probably like little, little. I didn't have cable growing up, so I didn't see any of like the Disney Channel original movies for the most part. Yeah, but Bill Duke, he randomly shows up, and he's like, uh, because, like, Red now goes and drives to this guy, and he's living in, like, two campers, and I love he's, like, knocking on the door, and on the door is written, fuck off, and Bill Duke yells out, can't you fucking read? I want to put that on my door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, Just but yeah. fuck off. <laughs> So uh, he gets, he says, I want the Reaper, which is this crossbow. But fun point earlier, Mandy, when she's talking to the cult, says, I can see the Reaper coming for you. She's talking about their death, but that's yeah. a fun little, like, Easter egg for the future, which the Reaper is what Nicolas Cage calls this crossbow. Yeah. So I just, I just liked that little throwaway line that paid off. Oh, yeah. We get the, so what's a hunting? Nicholas Cage pauses. I mean, Red pauses. He goes, Jesus freaks. I didn't know those were in season. Yeah, um, that, well, so come on, man, let it out. They set her on fire! <laughs> oh, we get some of that classic Cage rage. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Um, We get the Black Skull exposition, which we already kind of touched on, but, like, the, the chemist who makes the acid, like, these guys are already bad news, so he made, like, the super batch to give it to them, but it turned out worse and made them kind of weird monster creatures, made them even worse than they were before. Yeah, Bill Duke is basically like, I saw them once, and they looked like they were in a lot of fucking pain, but you know what the most fucked up thing about it is? It looks like they loved it. <laughs> also, we get this badass axe-making montage next, yes. which the axe with like a spear on the end of it, it's like uh, basically Nicolas Cage gets Stormbreaker. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much how I took it. And then, Brett, I'm excited to say, the movie has finally begun. Yes, and we get, is this when we get the title card? Yes. We get the death metal, like, mayhem Norwegian black metal title card, where at first you can read it, and then it goes to where, like, you can't read this anymore. There's too much, like, tree-looking things. Which is how most, like, death metal, black metal style logos are. Yeah, Chainsaw's got the fuck. Exactly, because they can't put their actual name on anything. <laughs> so he gets that, the Mandy title card, and... Next is where, what, he's hunting the Black Skulls, right? Right. At this point, he has his uh, crossbow, 
and he's hunting them where he's like on the ridge, like overlooking this road and he sees them going by and he has a couple of them in the sights real quick. And then he hit the one with all like the shit sticking out of them, like the spikes, he gets him and he shoots him with the crossbow and he falls off his motorcycle. And I love the scene where Nicholas Cage, uh, driving down the road in the Bronco and I love all the different shots and whatnot. And then like the biker gets up and is trying to shoot him and Nick cage hits the biker like full on with the Bronco and like flips over. And at this point, the other bikers have seen, Oh, one of our dudes are missing and turn around and go get Nick cage now. Yeah. And he wakes up in this house that they have obviously taken. We see, Later, the two owners of the house that are killed, which, if you're keeping track, Brett, I did not count these two people in the kill count because we did not see them alive. They were an essential story. They were basically finding a body. Okay. So, but if you're keeping count, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so they've obviously taken over this couple's house and everything. And Nicolas Cage is handcuffed to, like, the radiator, and then his other hand is just nailed into the floor. Wait, he's handcuffed to a pipe, like, that's on the wall. To the radiator. Yeah. Right. And his yeah, hands and nailed to the uh, floor. Well, yeah, it almost goes back to that crucifixion type thing where he's like crucified through the floor because it's going through his hand. And he starts, he kind of discovers like he can twist the pipe off and get it off. And at this point, one of the hell bikers has been like, okay, he's awake and goes over and starts like hitting him. And I love that the hell bikers like, you have a death wish. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage saw the guy. I really don't want to talk about that. Well, I'm well. At the very first thing, the Hellbiker walks over and slices his forty-four T-shirt, and I love this line so much. Where Nick Cage is like, "That was my favorite shirt." Yeah, is there any significance to forty-four or no? Not that I know of. Okay, but yeah. So this is just incredible. Uh, Nick Cage overacting, which I love. I'm not even like. Being a hipster douchebag saying, oh, it's terrible. I ironically love it. No, I love it. Yes. Oh, 100%. This is Nick Cage. This is my favorite Nick Cage movie. Oh, that's a tough one for me, dude, because I just saw Willy's Wonderland and that blew me away. Eh, I've heard mixed things on that one. I think you'd love it. Yeah. Knowing you, I think you would love it. I, I would definitely check it out because uh, it's Nick Cage. Well, he also I'd go on a little Nick Cage tangent right now. He has that new movie coming out called like Pig or something. I have no idea about that. Yeah, it's Nick Cage is like a chef and he has this pig that he's raising that's like this really good like kind of pig, I guess that you cook, but then someone steals and but he I think he becomes best friends with the pig so he doesn't kill it, but then someone steals the pig so he's like searching for the pig, but it's Nick Cage. Okay, I'll, I'll take your word on it. Yeah, I mean, it's Nick Cage, so I'll see it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But so, like, he finally gets that pipe loose and everything, and he breaks free, and then the black skull and him kind of scuffle for a minute, and he knocks it into this random hole that's in the ground. Yeah, he beats him with the pipe, and yeah, he, like, gets pushed off into this, like, great thing. Which, this is, a like, earlier when you said, like, this movie holds on scenes for a minute. I love how it constantly will, like, show Nick Cage beating the fuck out of somebody, but then it shows him, like, kind of limping away. Oh, I do like that. I like that because it shows he's not just this raging badass who's unstoppable. No, he's still a person, and he's getting very hurt, but... 
Yeah. It's almost like he has this drive of like, I need to avenge Mandy, you know? Yeah, he's got that rage going, building up in him. Yeah. Um, I love how he finds the other two, uh, two more Black Skulls doing coke and watching porn. And it's like that really weird stuffy 80s porn on TV. Oh yeah, well there's the one where there's one black skull he's sitting on the uh couch watching porn doing massive amounts of coke. Like it's like Tony Montana and Scarface. Like his face is covered in it. And yeah, he's watching really bad like Ron Jeremy like hairy guy porn where it's like this <laughs> super hairy dude fucking this chick, but it's like way too much of the guy is showing. And the biker looks up from doing coke. And is like, oh, look, there's Nicolas Cage coming to slip my throat and like flips him around onto the table and the coke goes everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, by the way, the one watching porn has a machete dick. Oh, yeah. It's this like knife dick thing. It's really cool. <laughs> it. I don't know how bad acid gives you a machete dick, but OK. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it makes sense. Um <laughs> But so the fight goes on a little bit and he kills the one with the box cutter and it bleeds all over his face. And he just starts laughing hysterically and I love it. Oh, yeah. And he's like smiling and the like the blood gets all over his teeth. So now his teeth are red, which I think is badass looking. I just realized he's called red because he's literally completely red by the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's another Wallace Walrus. Brian brain damage now red for Mandy. Oh, my yeah. God. This, this stupid name play, Brett. When will it ever end? It's the shit that you notice when you review review a movie for the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, I love this is when like, OK, so like red kind of stands up staggering and whatnot a little bit. And this is when the uh, biker that he threw down the shaft shows back up with a shotgun and shoots the TV out. And him and uh, Red have a quick, like, scuffle. And because I love how Red's like, you ripped my shirt! You ripped my shirt! And, like, breaks his neck. And with Also, just to show cage, he's completely lost his mind, you know? And, and the wild cage eyes are going on. Like, they could not be any wider. Oh, this is the bees, for sure, eyes going yeah. on. And he bends down, grabs a piece of glass with a giant mound of coke on it. And just snorts all of it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. At this point, Nick, like at the beginning of the uh, show, I said Nick Cage is like he's not that person anymore. He's sober now. He has Mandy. That's all he needs. At this point, he's like Mandy's gone. I'm getting as fucked up as possible. <laughs> Which I mean, Mandy might have been his rock, you know. Exactly. And now she's gone. Then he finds their precious acid in a mason jar, and he just. Slightly dabs his finger. I mean, just taps it a tiniest bit, puts us to his tongue, and basically sees God. Like, yeah. he, his face is melting. He's in nuclear bomb. Like, everything is, like, through, like, his vision. And then it cuts back, like, whoa. His eyes basically turn, like, immediately, like, just jet black. <laughs> yeah. And then he kills more. There's one more outside. He shoots with the reaper. It doesn't do anything. Just kind of takes the arrow out. There's a really cool fight, which I like a lot where he like back backs the black skull up into a fire. It catches on fire. And then he beheads already on fire. Black skull with his ax and then lights a cigarette off of the flaming skull. Oh, and this, I mean, yeah, yeah. The office flaming head. It's so fucking cool. And as soon as, like, so there's this awesome, like, battle going on between him and the Black Skull. 
And Nick Cage at one point gets the upper hand because he gets like the axe around his throat. And the Black Skull knows he's done for. And the Black Skull is like, she's still burning. And Nick Cage like pushes him into the fire and he catches on fire. And the entire time he's just going, she burns, she burns, she burns. And at that point, Nick Cage fucking chops his head off. (laughs) You know, it's one of those, your mother sucks cocks in hell, or even now your Linda suffers. You know, one of those moments. It's so fucking like, it's such a like a fucking hardcore moment for like the Black Skull to be like, I'm going to fucking, I know what button to push. I know why you're here. Like, it's fucking Mandy. So I'm going to make fun of Mandy. Yeah. And it works, but not to his favor. Oh, Um, well, he knew he's fucked anyway. (laughs) Yeah, true. Nick Cage takes an ATV from the Black Skulls and drives away. And he finds the chemist who, I can't remember the guy's name. Do you know oh, it? Yes. Um, Richard Brake, who was in Three from Hell. He was the Night King in um, Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's in uh, Three from Hell. He's also in 31, but we don't talk about that. He was in The Mandalorian. I'm really liking this guy and everything he turns out. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in The Mandalorian. I loved his character in The Mandalorian. It says he, he seemed like such a like a rough version of an Imperial officer that you don't really ever see in the Star Wars universe. Because he wasn't very, British. They're very prim and proper and whatnot. And he was very like, oh, yeah, have we fucking killed him and whatnot. Like, Yeah, it's uh, but he's the chemist who's making the acid. and. He and Nicolas Cage, Red, have a conversation, but when I say that, Red just stares at him the entire time, and he answers as if Nicolas Cage is asking questions, but the thing is, they are questions that he would probably be asking. Oh yeah, well, it's almost like, because uh, Richard Brake, the chemist, is making acid while this is going on. And by making acid, I mean, he has his bare hands in this tray of acid, like, rolling the sheets around and whatnot, and basically licking his fingers. Yeah, and you see his eyes. He's high as hell. Oh, yeah, and there's also a tiger. Yeah, okay. (laughs) There's a tiger in a cage. He says her name is Lizzie. He's very calm about it and everything, but then he presses a button to release the tiger, and you remember, this is a first-time watch for me, Brett. Right. I'm like, Nick Cage is gonna fight a fucking tiger? Yeah. But the tiger just leaves... And he goes, bye, Lizzie. Which is so fucking funny. Now, where does this take place? Is this in Canada or is this in the U.S.? I think it's in the U.S. It's like the northern. I'm thinking like Washington type. I, it might. There might. There's probably an actual place that they say at some point or like an actual location. But I'm thinking like Washington, like super big trees, logging. Oh, they do at the beginning, the Shadow Mountains. But I don't know where that is. Me neither. But anyway, now there's a tiger on the fucking loose. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just roaring around. It looks like an awesome painting on the side of a van. Like, yeah. You know, like some like weird biker has a tattooed on his shoulder or something like that. But this entire scene, Red doesn't even kill the chemist. The chemist just says north because I'm guessing he knows because uh, during when Red's talking to the chemist, he's like, man, they did you bad. They shouldn't have done that to you. So he knows what happened, I guess. So he knows why he's there and who he's after. Yeah, or maybe 
they're both so high on the stupid weird super weird acid that can turn you into a demon they can hear each other i don't know yeah it's like uh, it gives you um what's that Tel- telepathy or what's that called telekinesis or telekinesis. telepathy yeah telekinesis is moving stuff so yeah telepathy yeah but anyway he tells him where to go and he goes he gets stuck in the atv falls asleep wakes up looking at a gecko but then he's pretty <laughs> much right where he needs to be I love that sentence right there. Like, he falls asleep, he's riding a gay TV, he saw a gecko. Okay, moving on. <laughs> That's what it is! This is that movie. I, I don't know how else to explain it, except for, here's what happened, yet yeah, it's exactly like this. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, I just, it's so funny hearing somebody else say it. <laughs> but he finds the cult van, and he lays spikes out to pop the tires. I don't know where he got the spikes, but well oh. done. Uh, he got the spikes from the Cenobite biker's house when he's going through the kitchen and he's like finds his like axe and he puts it in the duffel bag and he's like looking through shit. And at some point he finds the spikes and put those in the duffel bag and he finds the Reaper. And then that's when he finds the acid and does the acid. So it comes from oh, the okay. demon biker's house. That makes sense. So when he spikes the van, the people in the van are the brother Swan, I think he says his name was. Yes. And the young girl. And he spikes it. The van stops. He just goes, punches him right away, drags him out of the van. And I love how he kills him. Well, first, the brother guy starts taunting him a little bit. Like, she burned brightly, didn't she? Yeah, and, and he has a fucking smirk on his face. I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, Oh, I yeah, I just you. fuck. I hate this guy so bad. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage, remember how I mentioned earlier, the end of the axe is a spear. Because he just shoves the spear right into his mouth and fucking kills him. Well, because the fucking brother Swan starts doing the, like, it's better to burn out than fade away line. But before he can uh, say the entire, like, line, Nicolas Cage stops him by shoving this fucking spear in his mouth. And it's so great. Oh, it's awesome. This is where the movies really start picking up the second half. Yeah. Um, We find the one other cult guy who was, like, laughing as he held the, like string while mandy was burning he just gets an axe thrown at his head like the axe thrown at his head and kills him i have to say it's such a cool visual of it's just the shadow but then there's all this red blood spurting out of his head where he's just falling backwards they just show the shadow of it but i love the shot so much it's uh, every time i see it i'm like fuck yeah get him get him red you know, it really stuck. That's one like I can recall perfectly. That definitely did stick in my head. It was yeah. a cool shot. And then we get a chainsaw fight. Yes, which fucking like you need a. It, it's very reminiscent of like, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I almost think more Motel Hell because in Motel Hell there was an actual chainsaw duel, like this is. Yeah, dude. All I know is I love it. Yeah, which I love Red, like, he puts down the axe because he sees the chainsaw, and he's just walking towards the guy. It's not it's not even started yet. He's still trying to start it. And the one cult member sees that Red's coming towards him and whips out, like, this ginormous chainsaw. Yeah, like we saw in the one Hatchet movie. I don't remember which one, but, like, where he just had this super long chainsaw. Yeah. That's what he has. Which, at this point, I would almost want a smaller chainsaw like Red has, because that big one has to be, like, super heavy and, like, hard to, like, throw around and whatnot. Yeah, what he messed up doing was raising it to duel with him. He should have just poked at him. He's not going to get close to you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, don't duel him. Like, yeah, you have, like, 
the advantage of like length or whatever, you know? Yeah. So they dual chainsaws for a little bit, which as, as I brush over it saying that, no, it's cool. Like this scene's awesome, but um, eventually it ends up where red loses his chainsaw, but the big long one's running on the ground and he lassos this dude with a chain around his throat and just pulls him down onto the chainsaw. Which is a really awesome chainsaw kill that I don't think I've ever seen before. You know, I was wondering that myself, too. I didn't think I have. It's, I mean, it's most likely been done before this movie, but I cannot recall any movie that I've seen that they've done that in. So it's such an awesome new creative kill with a chainsaw, which is honestly a very played out weapon in the horror genre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love it, but yeah. But they, it's used so... I love it as well, but it's used so much, you know. Yeah, let Ash and Leatherface have it, and let's leave it alone other than that for a while. Yeah, or unless you're going to, like, remake Motel Hell, and then there better be, like, a 20-minute chainsaw duel at the end, or I'll be mad. <laughs> so he makes it to... What would I call this? Like, the steeple? Yeah, the church. Okay. So the church, and he makes it there, and he there's this underground like bunker under it that he goes into and he finds the older lady and she tries seducing him. Yeah. Well, I also real quick, I want to say like before he goes underground, like red walks up to like where they were, uh, fucking Jeremiah sand preaches at and lifts up the, the pulpit and like reads a couple things of it and goes meh and throws it away. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah, but yeah, at that point, then he goes underground, and like you said, uh, the uh, mother, Marlene, is trying to kind of seduce him and whatnot. And then the next scene is, there's Jeremiah Sands standing in a room alone, and Mother Marlene's head just comes launching at him. Yeah, he screams, like, terrified, too. It's awesome. At first, he's trying to be all like, do not enter this room. God is in this room. And Red's like, fuck you, man. Like, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, you couldn't make it in your hair metal band. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, not even hair metal. It's like fucking The Carpenters. No, that was a solo album. Oh, so was he in, like, he was, like, was in White Snake, but they kicked him out? That's what I honestly took it as, the way he was talking during his big speech. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, not White Snake, per se, but you right. know. No, definitely White Snake. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they kicked him out for David Copperfield or whatever his name is. I have no idea. I, the only thing I know about Whitesnake is their name, and there is that really great uh, music video where that girl danced on the car. <laughs> yeah, that's about all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there's another like 10 minutes of Jeremiah ranting and raving, going from completely confident to completely whimpering and sad and like switching back and forth. Really like this bipolar speech where like at one point he goes, please, I'll do anything. I'll suck your fucking dick. Oh yeah. I love someone's going to, someone's going to isolate that audio. I know it. I should not have done that. Um, <laughs> but the, the like going from that to no, you kneel to me. I am basically God. Like, so he's going all over the place. And then I think this is because Nick Cage had a tiny taste of the acid, but he gets like the demon voice. And he, the fucking, he gets the final girl line, Brett, and says, I'm your god now. And fucking crushes Jeremiah Sands' head in his hands, which is so satisfying. 
Yeah, it's wild. It's a cool effect, too, like the blood coming from the eyes and everything. Yeah, his eyeball pops out. And then uh, he lights the whole room on fire and leaves, obviously not looking back, because no badasses ever do. No, exactly. Of course. Uh, Gets back in his car, and then I guess the way I describe this scene is he's remembering Mandy. Well, this I love this scene so much, because at this point, the first 45 minutes of this movie is setting up like I've said so many times, how much Red and Mandy love each other and their connection. And then the rest of the movie so far has been Nicolas Cage, Red, basically kicking ass and avenging uh, Mandy in what I think is one of the best revenge movies ever. And we almost forget a little bit. Of course, we remember why Red's doing all this, but we forget that love part of this movie. And this really sets it up for me where Red gets back. In, well, he gets into the uh, cult member's station wagon and starts driving away. And he looks I thought over. he got back in his car. I thought he got back in his car that they took. No, because he showed up on a uh, four-wheeler. No, his car from his house that they took. No, he crashed his Bronco. No, that uh, that station wagon, I'm pretty sure, was theirs. No, I don't think he got into the station wagon. There was the, the van. And then the other car, and he got in that other car. Oh, okay. and I think that was his from before, and they stole it from his house, and he also had the Bronco. And because oh, okay. even in the flashbacks, they're in that car. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, yeah. He uh, so he gets in a car and he's driving away, and he remembers back to like I, what I believe is the first time he ever sees Mandy. Yeah, I took it as that too. And it's definitely that thing of like they see each other and immediately fall in love. Yeah, that's cliche, but okay. But it also is really cool because it looks like they're at like a rock show. Yeah, that's it, I thought so too, like an underground show. Yeah, which was I thought was pretty awesome. And and Mandy was wearing the 44 t-shirt, which is why it's so important to him. Hey, I want to point out, first time I met you, underground rock show. Oh, so yeah. when one of us is killed, we got to go on a bloody rampage and you get in the car and you think of that. <laughs> yeah, which one of us is going to be able to cage rage first? <laughs> but oh, yeah, I, I love how like the yeah, we met at an underground rock show, like at a punk punk club that was bring your own beer, and that's why I started going. And the first time we met, I don't remember because I was blacked out. Oh, I barely do either. It was a rough night for me. We were playing. Was, I was in no condition to play. Yeah, Greg was playing. I was just like there to see the bands. We started hanging out because I just start. I just remember, like, all of a sudden, I know this guy. <laughs> I don't exactly remember. I remember I met him at this punk club, but not. Ex- I don't really remember. And then, like, and finally, Anna was like, "Oh no, I remember," and he, she like filled us in. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, but yeah. So this this scene though, I I could describe it in three words: disturbing, sad, and funny. Yeah, because, yeah, Red looks over and sees Mandy, and it's he's, like, reliving the first time he ever saw, like, her. And then it cuts to, like, she's sitting in the passenger seat riding along with him, like, smoking a cigarette. And then it cuts back to him, and he's just covered in blood with the most fucking crazy smile and look on his face as he just turns back to driving. <laughs> After he'd just gone through hell and everything. Yeah. And then as they're driving away, the camera pans out, and they're not on Earth anymore, but like you see all these planets and stuff. I think just to go back to their conversation at the beginning. Exactly. And then there's credits, and there is the tiniest snippet of a post credit scene. 
Right. Which is just Mandy's artwork and it's a red and a tiger and planets. Yeah. And that's Mandy. Which, I mean, just bravo. We didn't even mention the weird animated dream sequences at all. Oh no, we're yeah, well it's um yeah, naked Mandy like rising out of the water, naked Mandy reaching inside of some weird beast and like removing this glowing uh green stone. Like Mandy like turning around and now all of a sudden she's rotting. Yeah, like the shining style. Yeah. But yeah, that's all. I just realized we didn't even mention it. Well, yeah, but it's um, so there's so if we talk, I would I tried to quell myself a little bit because I kept bringing up like, oh, I love this tiny little moment of this movie, <laughs> and that's why we're already. Greg, you like, missed where something. He sniffled there. Yeah, did you see that sniffle? That sniffle means he loves her. They're in love, Greg. Uh, it's haunting when he's like going through the ashes of her burnt corpse. Like it's just oh, yeah. Well, also, well, that's another little point that I saw where if you look, there's a little ember uh, still burning where her heart would be. But that's like the only ember that's still burning. Oh, that's that's sad. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I caught that. Why are you putting this on me? And then he then she like blows away and there's just dust in the wind, you know? (laughs) Oh, we are. With Bill and Ted, it's like dust, wind, dude. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that was mandy um yeah it was it was i do still say i know a lot of us setting up how much they love each other and everything i think i would enjoy this movie and have made it through it without being obligated to like it's the podcast like oh this is my movie for the week so I, i'm gonna watch it i think the few times i tried starting it for if they would have cut some out of the beginning i would have made it through earlier but yeah. that being said, I like this movie a lot. I understand what you mean, because the, the very first time I ever watched this, I was very much like, okay, come on, like, you're taking yourself so seriously, and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like, well, you hear me the entire this entire episode gushing about the movie, and I love it. Like I said before, it's one of my comfort movies where I watch it at least once a month, you know? Yeah. I love the metal imagery. I love the music. The the lighting, it was weird because I really liked it at first, even though it made no sense. But then I started getting like really sick of it. And I think they were smart enough to know because right then it cut to regular lighting for a little bit and then it switched back to it. Right. So good on them for that. Um, that's pretty much all I have until we get to our end of stuff. Do you have anything else? I mean, I could go on about this movie for another hour, but I know you'd kill me, so... I just want to say I love this movie so fucking much. (laughs) Okay. So we'll move on to our end of the episode stuff. So I guess we have a few questions we throw in here. I switch them up. What kind of horror fan would you recommend Mandy to? I'm actually really intrigued with this one because it's it's a Um, mix of stuff. Yeah. So you're talking to someone. I like horror movies. Oh, what kind? What answer would they give that leads you to recommend Mandy? I would say revenge horror. Um... 70s cult horror movies like there's a uh great um 70s movie i think it's like race i think it's called race with the devil where it's this cult that's chasing these fa- this family in a winnebago after they saw uh the family saw the cult doing like this ritual sacrifice you've told me about this movie before yeah 
I would almost like a cult movie like that. Or if you're any kind of a Nicolas Cage like fan and you just like what he does, you'll love this movie. Yeah, I'd say if you're a fan of Nick Cage overacting horror movies, this is up your alley. Also, like, I don't mean this as a compliment or an insult, but like over artsy, then that's not an insult yeah. nor a compliment, just a description. Oh, no, I'd say I... like there's definitely an audience for that kind of stuff. So I'd if you name some other ones like that, I definitely recommend this. Oh, I agree. It's almost like also another Nicolas Cage movie, Color Out of Sleep. Or Color, Color Out of Space, I'm sorry. Okay. Have you ever seen that one? No. Okay, well, it's another like newer Nick Cage movie. It was made after Mandy. It's called Color Out of Space. I'm sorry, I fucked up the name at first. I have um, seen it advertised. I didn't see it, but though. But it's another great Nicolas Cage movie where it's this alien shit, and it's a lot of vibrant colors... And Tommy Chong's in it. Oh, hell yeah. But, all right. um, Yeah, that's another really fun, colorful Nick Cage movie as well that I would recommend if you like Mandy. Well, the end of the episode, we have a few things. We do the Throbbing with Horror Kill Count, where we tally up the kills in every movie we've seen and add them together, just because it's fun adding all this stuff together. So last week, Brett, we did the Toxic Avenger, which left us at a nice even 400. So where do you think Mandy left us at? There's a good amount of kills in this movie, and like you said at the very beginning, I helped you with the kill count because you're like, the Cenobite bikers don't count, right? And I'm like, yeah, they count their people. Yes. I'm going to say there's, fuck, 12. So last week you got it spot on. Okay. You missed it by one, which is your go-to. You missed it by one so much. 11. I I overestimated a tiny bit. Oh, yeah. 11 kills, which brings us to a throbbing horror kill count of 411. Nice. 11 kills is good for this movie because the first, like we said, 45 minutes, it's all set up. There's no kills. Well, it's all Black Skulls, the cult, and then Mandy. Right. Um, so every oh, the week... fat kid, but he's part of the cult. Yeah. Uh, every week, Greg does his kill count, and I do my rating system, but I don't know don't like to do stars because Cisco and Ebert did stars and fuck them. But oh, not... real quick on that, by the way. Yeah. I fell into a deep dive and I know we always say we don't like Cisco and Ebert because they talk shit on Friday the 13th. Yes. But, and then I was like digging to stuff stuff and it's odd. Some of the horror movies that they gave like favorable ratings to like the devil's rejects oddly. What? But yeah, they love the devil's rejects. Um, but anyway, weird. I will say we are validated in our fuck them by saying that when Friday the 13th came out, they hated it so much. They, before it was even a term, doxed, like, the cast and crew and, like, put their addresses out and everything. So, yeah, fuck those dudes. Because Adrian King, who was in the very first Friday the 13th, she was, like, the final girl. She had a problem with a stalker for a while, so that shit's not cool. No, so if you're like... Oh, Greg, they're just film critics, and you have to handle criticism. Yeah, I do. We joke, at least I think we are. We're like, oh, they talk shit, fuck them. But no, they were shitty, so fuck. You don't like a movie, that's fine. Don't do shit like that. That's making sense on our dumb joke we say every week. I'm sorry, but yeah. No, yeah, they took it to a whole new level, so fuck them. Yeah, I I did kind of a deep dive on them, because we always talk about it, and I found that out. I did it. Well, yeah, I've heard about that about, and I completely forgot about it until you brought it up that they like publish like their addresses and shit, and they're like send them hate mail. 
Yeah, so if any of you guys want to say, oh, well, they're great members to film growth and reviews. Nah, fuck those guys. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Uh, I'd like to do something from the movie 1 through 10. 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. And I think it's only appropriate for this movie that we do hits of acid. I was thinking you were going to go hits of acid or mac and cheese. So Yes. So one hit of acid is that shitty brown acid from Woodstock that, like, it's the famous don't take the brown acid acid. Not because it was bad acid in the way it's going to make you trip bad. It was bad in the way of, like, it just wasn't any good. It didn't do anything. Yeah. And then there's number 10 acid, which I don't know what would. That's the good acid in Woodstock. from this. That's like that the, turns you into a machete cocked demon. Yeah, the acid from this. The, the the number ten acid is the acid Hunter Thompson would take. Okay. Um, I'm giving this a perfect ten out of ten hits of acid. This movie, oh! could, this movie could not be any better in any way, in my opinion. I believe it is perfect. Holy shit, a 10! 10. 10 well done, this is rare for us. I'm happy anytime we hit a 10, either one of us. Yeah, I adore this movie. Like I've said so many times, if I'm having a bad day, I'll put on this movie, drink like along with the movie, and by the end, I'm having a great time. Yeah, dude, I mean, I get it. I didn't do a 10, because... I'll be like, you know, I've said it since the beginning. The beginning of this really wore on me a little bit. And yeah. the end, it would have been like my, the ones that I ran about if it didn't pick up. And but thankfully it did. And it picked up in a big fucking way. Yeah. So, but with the two polar opposites, it was a weird movie for me to rate. Cause I'm like, it feels like two different movies. So I gave it well above passing, but a 6.5 out of, out of oh. 10. 6.5 out of 10 acid hits. That's right. Boo. That's not, that's a good score. Boo you, Greg. I gave it a 10, like wishing upon, like I was hoping upon hope that you would also give it a 10 so we could put it in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I know. gave it a good score still. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, well, I, I gave Veronica a 6, so. Yeah, you did. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all we have. Any final thoughts on Mandy? Um, I, it's weird because I want to watch it again, but I don't want to sit through the beginning again. I feel like this is a movie I'm going to put on when I know I'm doing something for a while, but we'll be back soon. Right. And then I can get Cage Rage and all that fun stuff and Cheddar Goblin and bloody remembering Mandy and killing cults and all that cool stuff. Right. Because I think if it would have started like 15 minutes before Mandy gets burned alive, I think I'd fucking love this movie. Yeah. Which I really like this movie. I think that would get it up to that where it could possibly get that 10 for me. If this movie had a dick, I would suck it. Fair point. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything in new and horror in your week? Um, not too much, really, I don't oh, think. Have we already talked about the Halloween Kills trailer? We did. Yeah, right? we did. We talked about that in Candyman, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I just, I've been still watching that Halloween Kills trailer. It's so cool. Yeah, I've watched it a couple times. I'm really excited for it. Like, my dad has, like, one of those bars that Michael Myers kills those firemen with because he was a fireman. And the other day I went over to the house to pick it up. I'm like, this is really heavy. What's Michael Myers, dude? He can lift it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a fucking pussy. Like, I'm like, this is heavy. And Michael Myers is, like, shoving it through people. <laughs> well, should we tell him what we're doing next week? Yeah, what's next week, Greg? 
stay out of the water because we have this little indie film no one's told about. Mandy was too mainstream, Brett. Too many people know Mandy. It's everywhere. It's referenced constantly. You ask your grandma, they know Mandy. Right. So I decided, and you, well, I should say you decided, (laughs) we're going to do a deep underground pick. So I'm sorry you might not listen to it, but this little indie film called Jaws. Oh, it's called Jaws? I thought it was called Jazz. No, Jaws. Jaws. It's it's apparently about a dolphin or something. Yeah, it's a dolphin or an orca or some or piranha, some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Jokes aside, I'm stoked. That'll be a fun oh, yeah, one. Jaw, like, jo- you know what's funny? This will go down as the first PG-rated movie because the PG-13 rating had not been invented yet. Yeah, which is extremely funny for this movie, like that it was PG. <laughs> well, yeah, they just had G, PG, and R. There was no yeah. 13 yet. But yeah, this will be fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, where when I do when my fair Spanish lady? Oh, where when I do when I lay I won't lie. I've been having trouble thinking about what I'm going to say on this Jaws episode. I started the movie today. I didn't finish it. But I'm like, what can Throbbing with Horror say about Jaws that hasn't been said? But God damn it, we're going to try. It's going to be a love fest again. And I get to sing a couple of my favorite songs from the from horror movies. Like that song and there's another one that is right after that song i'm just excited to sing those (laughs) yeah but yeah next week is jaws i'm fucking super excited about it it's completely fitting because it's right around fourth of july so yeah it's good we uh well we have talks avenger came out on the second so that would have been friday so yeah yeah, it's a little off but still in the month yeah about about right but yeah, stay inside, don't go outside because it's too fucking hot. Sit inside in your AC and watch horror movies. Let your brain throb with horror.